The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. All right, so we get to verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to start reading at verse 4. You remember that 4 to 7 are uh, descriptions of what Christian love is does and does not do, right? These are action words, either positively or negatively put, and they're describing for us Christian love. Verse 4, love is patient, love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own things. It is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We come to what ends up being um, the final a series of descriptive phrases for love in verse 7. And as you, as you think about what verse 7 says, don't read this as if Paul is encouraging Christians to be passive victims in life. This is not about love making you a doormat, okay? But it is really powerful and convicting. And so before we, before we dig into it, I want to remind us that when we think about the conduct which the Lord calls us to in his word, Oftentimes, what we do as 21st century American evangelical types is is we have sort of lists of do's and don'ts in in terms of Christian conduct. And and our list of do's and don'ts uh, typically involve uh, obvious sins, deeds of the flesh, uh, those things which are... Uh, incredibly uh, distasteful and unbecoming, and we think typically in terms of in terms of deeds. We think of big things, right? We think of adultery. We think of drunkenness. We think of drug abuse. We think of, we think of those kinds of things when we think of conduct. Just stay away from those things, and you'll be all right. I would remind us as we get to this last. A descriptive series of phrases that Christian conduct, Christian ethics primarily focus on the way that we treat other people. Okay. Oh, to be sure, there are the yucky sin lists that we have, the deeds of the flesh, but even in those lists of vices and sins, if you pay attention carefully enough, you realize that many of those are dealing with attitudes of the heart. You see, how we treat each other, how we treat other people, is a manifestation of the attitudes of our heart. And for whatever reason, Christians are, are, are typically more comfortable with what Jerry Bridges called now a number of years ago, respectable sins. Those are sins that really kind of emanate from attitudes of the heart, which, you know, aren't really seen to be that bad. In fact, sometimes what we do is, is we, turn, we turn sinful attitudes 
of the heart and their manifestations, we turn those vices into into virtues. You, You know what this looks like, right? I'm not rude, I just tell it like it is. I'm not harsh, I'm just a straight shooter. And and the reality is, is that the words that come out of our mouths towards other people that are harsh and unkind actually violate all the descriptions of love that we've already seen. And those are attitudes of the heart which are incredibly sinful. And until we start to realize that God cares really deeply cares about how we treat each other, our list of vices will be relegated to the do's and the don'ts of the yucky stuff. God expects more out of us. He cares deeply how we treat each other. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7 is a bombshell. Forget crocheting this and framing it. Just try living it. Let me just tell you, it's easier to crochet it and stick it up in the living room than it is to live it. Now, as far as the structure of this goes, Gordon Fee wonderfully points out that what you have is uh, this A-B-B-A pattern, and I think that he's right. Uh, The first one and the fourth one deal with present circumstances. Two and three look to the future. Can you, you see that? You see, love bears all things. That's present circumstances. Love believes all things. Faith in Scripture's typically future-oriented. Love hopes all things. Hope is future-oriented. And then love endures all things, which is then back to present circumstances. And I put this quote in there because I thought it was so, so good. He says, love has a tenacity in the present buoyed by its absolute confidence in the future that enables one to live in every kind of circumstance and continually to pour oneself out in behalf of others. In a sense, that is, that is the way that we as Christians are to live our lives, right? So we have, we have a past in which it is anchored in God's grace, manifest in the gospel. We have confidence in the future that God's going to do everything that he said he's going to do, which then gives us power in the present to do what God calls us to do in the midst of our present circumstances. Now, the first thing he says is love bears all things. And uh, I note in in there that uh, the word that is translated bears, Paul uses it four times. The only times he uses it are the only times in the New Testament. And every time that he uses it, it is translated to bear So, for instance, in uh, the 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 5, when I could bear it no longer, when I could stand it no longer, he uses that twice uh, in terms of finding out about the Thessalonians' faith. He sent Timothy to find out how they were doing, lest they had believed in vain. But there is this sense of when I could could stand it no more, right? Now, here's, here's the interesting thing, is that the word itself can mean to cover, by the way, the noun is, uh, is the word for roof, so you could see why. So to cover, or to pass over in silence, or to keep confidential, or to bear, to stand, or endure. So you can see sort of two different kind of ways that this word could go, right? So in a sense, love bears up under all things, in a sense, or... Love covers all things. So, uh, Lau and Nita say to put up with an annoyance or difficulty. Uh, So, the NIV, what they do is they say, anybody have the NIV? Anybody want to confess right now? All right. So, no one brought the NIV. The NIV says, 
love always protects. Now, you can see what avenue they go in terms of love covering, right? So they they get this idea of love protects. Um, uh, Kistemacher, love covers all things. Uh, A German scholar who was very liberal, Adolf von Harnack, this is actually quite poetic, though. He says, love throws a cloak of silence over what is displeasing in another person. Okay, so all, all of that's good, but there's a reason why the NAS, ESV, NET, Christian Standard Bible, and a whole all bunch of others go with bears all things. And that is, it's, it's impossible to be absolutely dogmatic, but the emphasis here seems to be that, that love holds up under all kinds of burdens and hardships caused by others. Okay. This the, love here is that, that endures or holds up is not just simply love that endures um, the, the, the hardships of life that that come to us that are tough external circumstances. In all likelihood, the emphasis is love endures the hardship. It holds up under the burdens that come to us from others. It is easier to hold up under burdens that come to us from the outside of which we know not why they came. Right? It is difficult to hold up under burdens and hardships when they're caused by other people. Now, Notice it says, love bears, right? So it holds up under, love bears, what? All things. Now, let me just say that there's, there's a way that you probably should not read this. Okay. You probably should not read this with the idea that all things excludes absolutely all limits. All right? Remember, the language is poetic. This is, this is poetic. By the way, this is why people crochet it and put it in their kitchen, because it's poetic, right? It's poetic. The language is not merely poetic. The language, think of it this way. The language is large, right? I mean, you, you get this, this, this majestic, august sense of the glory of Christian love. How are you going to say it? Love bears lots of things. No, you're going to say, love bears all things, but don't think for a second that for Paul, that simply means love turns a blind eye to every evil and every wrong. That's not true. And the reason that we know that's not true is because we have the rest of the Bible. So it doesn't mean love operates without limit. Okay. Let me just read to you it, really what is a wonderful prayer in Philippians chapter 1. And um, Paul says, this is 9 through 11. Listen, listen to this. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge, and all discernment. So the love that bears all things is to be a love that is consistent with Christian knowledge and discernment. Paul says, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And so when Paul says love bears all things, um, let's, not, let's, let's not fall off one side of the horse or the other, okay? And just, this, this is how we treat the Bible a lot of times. Love bears all things. Wow, that sounds so overwhelming. 
All things clearly cannot mean all things. Therefore, I am now off of the hook. That's not the way you read your Bible. So you qualify all things. Then you go back and you say, okay, now let's think about what Paul is saying here. And what Paul is saying is still profound, amazing, and beyond our ability to do. You have to be clear about this. None of these descriptions come to us by nature. So when he says, love bears all things, we could say something like this. Love does not stop loving just because the load is heavy. We could say, love does not withdraw its support because of increased burden. Love does not shrink away from or hide from hardships. Love stands firm and supports with determination. Now, every single person in this room, at least the adults, have some kind of hardship and some kind of burden that's coming from somebody else. The point of this description is not for you to qualify it to death so it no longer applies. The point is to see this incredible calling of what Christian love is saw this Shakespeare quote, not in Shakespeare. I did, it's not like I was reading Shakespeare today. I don't want to mislead you. This was in Fee's commentary. I don't even know where this is from other than Shakespeare. Love is not love that alters when it alterations find. Let me say it again. Love is not love that alters when it alterations find. So the question is, how can Paul say, well, love bears up under all things? And and, and here's here's how we need to think about this. So in our fallen natures, right, just, just completely outside of Christ, apart from grace, apart from the Spirit, in our fallen natures, we have we have limits. Right? Okay, <laughs> and how are those in our in our fallenness in our in our basic humanity? How do we draw those limits? Where do we? How do we draw those boundaries? Well, oftentimes we draw the boundaries based on our own sense of comfort and convenience, right? Am I? like not resonating with anybody here. You guys are all so holy, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm saying, Don. Okay, so in our fallen nature, we draw the lines where we find it to be comfortable or convenient. You push me past this and I'm done. Right? Okay. Now, we're willing to help, we're willing to love. Remember, I'm talking about in our fallenness, apart from Christ, as long as that's the operative phrase right there, as long as it doesn't cost too much, take too much time, or require too much emotional energy. Perhaps the only area where we actually defy this in nature is the love of parents to a child, right? But even then, sometimes we have our limits. But within the realm of grace, there's something completely different at work. There is a there is a principle and a presence at work that comes by God's Spirit because what happens to us 
When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, what happens to us is we become keenly aware of God's amazing love for us. Right? By the way, if you're not overwhelmed by a sense of God's love to you as an undeserving, indeed hell-deserving person, then you don't know the love of God. But you're overwhelmed by the love of God. You, you see the love of God incarnate in Jesus, manifest at the cross, and there is a sense in which the Spirit of God takes the love of God and pours it into our hearts and transforms us so that we are no longer limited by our fallen human nature. Does this make sense? Right? So, so then what happens is when God implants this love in us, there's a tenacity to it. There is, there is a, a special, indeed, a supernatural strength that is willing to stand by and to support and to hold up all kinds of burdens, all kinds of hardships, all kinds of trials. This kind of love looks to... <laughs> all right, so this is the convicting part. This kind of love looks to those who are exasperating... Do you know anybody who's exasperating? This kind of love looks to the failing, to the weak, and the falling. And it says, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You, you, you see, there's, there is there's something that God implants in the heart of the Christian that does not let him say, I can't believe you fell again. I am done with you. You know why the Christian can't say that? Because he knows his father never says that to him. And so this kind of love looks at those who are the exasperating. This kind of love looks to the weak and says, I'm not going to leave you. Why? Because the spirit of the one who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, dwells in you. As long as you need me, I'll hold you up. And in fact, even when such love is rejected. This is important. Even when that kind of love is rejected, it doesn't leave in a huff, personally insulted. It says, I will be here when you need me. Now, you know, this is, by the way, if this is going through your mind, I, I hope that this does offend you. <laughs> what we do when we hear something like that is we start thinking of all the exceptions and why it doesn't apply to this situation or that situation. Instead of just letting the weight of love bears all things. So letting that settle on us. We try to figure out the loopholes. Okay. Well, it only gets worse from here. Love believes all things. <laughs> now, uh, by the way, so this, you can't translate this, love is gullible. You can't even translate this. Love believes the best about people at all times, under all circumstances, no matter what. You know how I know that's not what it means? 
because Paul didn't do that, right? So here he is writing his uh, swan song, 2 Timothy, and he gets to the end and he says, uh, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. I know he has a good heart and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yes or no? No. Watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He has done us much harm. He has opposed our ministry. May the Lord repay him. All right? So, so this is not just uh, believe the best about everybody in spite of the fact. This is not some sort of uh, universally inclusive statement. And uh, I think the, uh, the NIV is, is absolutely horrific. Um, love always trusts. Anthony Thistleton puts this nicely. He says, love never loses faith. I like that. Love believes all things. Um, the Lutheran commentator, Linsky, makes this observation. He says, the flesh is ready to believe all things about a brother and a fellow man in the evil sense. You find it easy to believe bad things about people the minute you hear them? Right? Guess what? We all have that tendency. We all have that proclivity to to do what? You hear something and you go, oh, wow, it must be true, right? I read it on the internet. It must be true, right? And here's the thing is that love actually is different than that. Love is different than that. So everybody has... um, Here's, here, here's a good way to think about this. Anybody ever say anything bad about you? Oh, you guys live such a charmed life. <laughs> right? So, so uh, believe it or not, I know this is actually hard to believe, people will say bad things about me. Okay? Carolyn finds it absolutely impossible to believe, right? That's because love believes all things, right? Now... Somebody says something bad about you. What do you want the person hearing that to do? Say, I knew it. I knew knew Arnie was a rascal. Untrustworthy. I knew it all along. Anybody that big, that bald cannot be trusted. This is, what, this is what we do, right? What would you prefer people to do? What's that? Defend you. Doubt it. I know that person. I know Arnie. I don't know everything about Arnie, but I know Arnie. And nobody said anything bad to me about you. I mean, except the Wellers and the Wetmores, but... You go, I know him, and I know that he wouldn't do that. You give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Now, we're not wired that way, but God rewires us that way, right? So love is not pessimistic. It is not skeptical. It is, Christian love is not suspicious all the time. Christian love, in fact, is more than willing to give, let me just qualify it this way, to wisely give the benefit of the doubt. Now, where is this, where is this confidence placed? Well, in a sense, it's not ultimately placed in the person. It's, it's placed in, in, in God. So, uh, you don't mind if I keep using you, Arnie. You're just absolutely convenient right now. So somebody says something about Arnie. I'm like, well, that's not true. I know Arnie. 
And I also know that Arnie belongs to God. And if he's God's, then the God who began the good work in Arnie is at work in Arnie. You see, sometimes when we believe the worst about somebody, we are completely discounting the fact that God, by his grace and his spirit, is at work in that person's life. Let's say, let's say there's, a, there's a, a, a little tiny piece of truth in what was negatively alleged or charged. And, you know, what Spurgeon used to say, people, people say all kinds of bad things about me. It doesn't bother me in the least because I'm far worse than they know. You ever feel like that, right? I mean, yeah, well, if that's all you got on me, then I'm actually pretty comfortable right now, right? So here's here's love, and it believes all things in that it is a love that 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 believes the best, gives the benefit of the doubt. Now, it is not the kind of love that blindly believes all things or unwisely believes all things because sometimes christian love has to be uh, has to be tough and sometimes um god brings things to us that we have to deal with in his way right so somebody um so l- let's say arnie does something to me all right let's say he actually sins against me and i and i know it love believes all things doesn't mean i bet he really didn't do that But what love compels me to do is out of love, go and talk to him. Do Matthew 18, 15 with him, right? And so love believing all things, I'm just, I just want to be prone to give my brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to believe evil reports. I want to believe the best. You know, it's so funny how um, quick we are to judge people's motives. Right? You see somebody do something and then uh, instead of thinking, well, there's got to be a reason why they did that or there's got to be a reason why they they think that. Instead of thinking, that's got to be true, there's, there's got to be something that I don't see, we're really, we're quick to judge people's motives. We're quick to, to judge people's motives on what they think, what they believe, what they do. And love doesn't do that. Doesn't mean you agree with everything that your brothers or sisters do, but you give them the benefit of the doubt in such a way that they do what they're doing for a reason that you may not know or understand. And it's okay. Many, many, many years ago, Jean will start to calculate in her mind maybe how long ago this was. Our dear brother Charlie, as a very, very, very young man that God has wonderfully redeemed, right? Don and Jean were making some difficult parental choices. And I had a couple come to me and they you got to tell them they can't do that. Well, here's the simple fact. You don't know the circumstances, period. And what you should believe is that they love their child and are doing what they believe is best for the child and most honoring to the Lord. That's what it is for love to believe the best about somebody. 
not to start drawing conclusions. I knew they were rotten parents. It's not, it's not for us to start drawing conclusions about, about people's marriages, about people's families, about people's beliefs, as if somehow we have the urm and the thummim to look into their hearts and say, oh yeah, that's why they did that. You give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's what love does. And so Christian love doesn't make us make us vulnerable or it doesn't make us gullible, but it does make us vulnerable, right? Yeah. You like that word vulnerable? No, you don't. You don't. You don't like the word vulnerable. Gullible, you don't like either because gullible and dumb are like related. Vulnerable sounds weak. Christian love believes all things because it has tasted and seen the love of God that never ceases for us. And so we should be willing out of that love to very wisely give others the benefit of the doubt. We ought to be to wisely believe the best. And that part of us that jumps to snap judgments about people's motives is contrary to a heart of love. Now, I already know. The reason I know what the perverse in heart think, because I'm perverse in heart. That person has lost all credibility. I can't believe the best. We want to be wise. But we also do not want to be so calloused towards somebody that we can never have one positive thought about them. That is sinful. Many of you know that our youngest, Alex, is adopted. And we adopted him many, many years ago, 21 years ago, something like that. And he needed to be rescued from the home that he was in. the birth mom was a mess and remains a mess to this day. But do you know one thing that we could always tell Alex from a sincere heart? Is your birth mom loves you. Would it be easy to say, well, if she loved him, she'd stop doing drugs. And if she loved him, she'd stop doing this and she'd get her act together and blah, 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 blah. And the answer is, yep, but you know what I'm doing when I say those things is I am actually making a judgment against her that I have no right to make. Can we make the judgment that she wasn't fit to raise a son? And the answer is yes, and the state concurred with that judgment. but do I have a right to sit and pontificate as to who she loves and how she loves? And the answer is no. You see, you don't know what somebody goes through at night when they put their head down on their pillow. You don't know. And so Christian love makes us vulnerable. Why? Because when you you do your best to wisely think the best about somebody, guess what? You're going to be wrong. Not all the time. But let's just say 
the batting average won't be really high. You feel that? If if I'm going to do my best to wisely believe the best, am I going to be wrong? And the answer is, I'll be wrong from time to time. In fact, I'm not even be wrong a lot of times. And here's the thing. When I'm wrong, then I am putting myself in a position to be what? To be hurt all over again. That's why Christian love is vulnerable. Christian love is actually willing to be hurt for the sake of somebody else. We don't like that because we, we live in this culture where we, we think that, that we're the, the most important person on the planet and if anybody deserves to live in a pain-free zone, it's me. I'm glad Jesus didn't think that way. You see, I know. I don't like this any better than you do. But it's what God calls us to. It's what God calls us to. Love hopes all things. C.K. Barrett, old British guy, love never ceases to hope. You know what hope is, right? I've told you this a thousand times. It's wishful thinking, right? <laughs> just, just trying to make sure you guys are awake. That's all. Yeah, so Bible hope is like, I hope the Giants win the World Series this year. <laughs> so that's, that's wishful thinking or hope against hope, right? What's Bible hope? Bible hope is confidence that what God said he will do. Bible hope is actually a sense of of confidence. So love hopes all things. Love love actually has a fundamental expectation that God's grace conquers and triumphs. Christian love produces, think of it this way, Christian love produces in us a God-centered optimism. This is not just like natural optimism. This is God-centered optimism. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you, and since Ariel's here, I'll tell this in front of her so that she can witness that I don't just tell bad stories on her when she's gone. I'm prone to discouragement. when it comes to my boys. It is so easy for me to despair with where they are, especially the youngest. It is so easy for me to start to question what we do wrong. What could we have done better? And not we, me. What could I have done better? What, what did I miss? And then I'm married to a person where love hopes all things. Brian, the last chapter's not written. God's not done. You don't think God brought him into our home for nothing, do you? God has a plan. They know the truth. 
We weren't perfect parents, but we were real. At which point I just say, shut up. You're not supposed to be more spiritual than me. (laughs) And I have to stop. That's not what I say, by the way. I hope you know I'm joking. I have to stop. God's power and his grace are not limited even by my failures. Oh my goodness, if your failures and mine could actually stop the grace of God, who would have hope? And so the Christian knows the power of God's grace, and, and, and they know it because they've experienced it. And love doesn't give up hope because it's confident that God can do all things. And it's confident Because it believes that God is full of surprises. You do know that, right? God doesn't say, oh, let me tell you everything I'm about to do. First of all, we couldn't handle it. Right? Right? Even tomorrow, God were to say, okay, this is, this is on your day timer that I wrote for tomorrow. We'd be, we would die, okay? God is full of surprises, absolutely full. And he does amazing things at unexpected times, and that's the way that God works, and that's the way that you live your life. Expectant hope that God is going to do something Wonderful. You've got got a a love and a hope that's shaped by by Isaiah 64. Rend the heavens and come down and do what we've never seen before. And I'll tell you, as we gather Lord's Day to Lord's Day, there there are stories and stories and stories of God's surprises. I I have many of them flooding into my mind right now. Time would fail me. And so love hopes all things. It has an unswerving confidence. God is great, God is good, God is powerful, God is a God who does the most amazing, gracious, compassionate things you could ever imagine. Well, lastly, love endures all things. This is Paul's typical word for perseverance. So love never gives up in the face of suffering or affliction. So bear it again. No hardship or rebuff ever makes love cease to be love. Love endures all things. And so when you think about this, love has this persevering quality to it. You do understand that perseverance is the natural outcome of the characteristics of love. Love, love, love has a sense where it is, it is willing to stand firm day after day after day. And every day, God gives fresh supplies of mercy and grace 
to make love endure one more day. See, you're not... God is not saying to you, love endures, and so be a good soldier, buck up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work yourself up to, to, to endure in love. That's not, that's not how this works. It's God coming to us with new mercies every morning. You need to, your love needs to endure today. I'll be here to give you fresh supplies of my spirit so that your love perseveres all the way to the end today. And I'll do the same thing tomorrow. And when you're 90, I'll do it. Carry you all the way to the end. So love perseveres in that it doesn't lose faith. Love perseveres in that even when its hope burns low, it never burns out. So let's get incredibly practical for a moment, okay? So you get these four descriptive phrases. You might think, well, they, they sound good in the lesson and in preaching them, but you don't know the person I'm married to. Can love actually bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things, in a hard marriage. You don't know my kids. You don't know my family. You don't know the people that have hurt me. And so here's, here's just the reality of it is that many of us have been burned many times in trying to love, right? Many of us have been hurt often in trying to love. Disappointed again and again. And you might think, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 is okay on a crocheted framed thing that I put in my kitchen. But trying to live it out with the people that are in my life, it's a different story. Here's Here's the reality. Every single one of us from one to one degree or another have people in our lives that make life hard. Sometimes we may think unbearably hard. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice of the kind of person that you are going to be. You have to make a a fundamental choice of whether or not you are going to be the kind of person who is ruled and governed by truth, the principles and the power of God's word, God's love to us in Christ, or you're going to be the kind of person that is, that is ruled by circumstances and 
passions and emotions and feelings. And at the end of the day, the the biggest priority of my life is to keep me safe. The end of the day, the biggest priority of my life is that I'm I'm always right. That I always come out on top. If that's the kind of person that you choose to be, for God's sake, quit calling yourself a Christian. We follow a Savior who loved the unlovely. And we follow a Savior who emptied himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, not for people who loved him, Not for people who would reciprocate. If you live your life waiting for reciprocation, you're going to live a miserable life. We follow a Savior who says, I love the unlovely. And I love them in such a way that my love bears all things. I know God is omniscient, but you do know he gives you the benefit of the doubt. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Think about what God has endured with you. I can promise you, you do not have any single person in your life who makes you put up with what you've made God put up with. (laughs) Okay? In fact, you can take all the people in your life and put them all together, and that still won't amount to what you've made God put up with. And so if you... If you choose to be the kind of person described in 1 Corinthians 13, you yourself have to be saturated with the love of God. Overwhelmed with his love for you. You have to be the kind of person that, is, that, that has a gospel-cultivated heart. The cross is continually right there ever before you, reminding you of his love, your sin, a great salvation. It is actually an amazing thing what God can do in the heart of a person who is yielded to his love and in love with his gospel and submissive to his ways. Absolutely amazing. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because God has done in you what you could never, ever have done on your own. And you look and you you marvel. And you don't sit there in the secret place and say, wow, I'm more awesome than I thought. You marvel at a God who does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And so we look to him and we draw our ability to love from his love for us. Let's pray. Father, we we realize that none of us are 
good at these things by nature. And we confess to you at times when we have allowed nature to override and eclipse grace. We pray that you'd help us. Father, we pray that you would help us to be conformed to the image of Jesus and that we would see that this this isn't the road of weakness. It's the road that demands we depend upon your strength. And so help us with the difficult people. Help us with the burdens and the hardships. And may you strengthen our love so that it endures all things. For the glory of your name, amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.